0: Welcome and thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I'm Marvin Telemontes, the pastor of River Rock Fellowship. Hope this inspires you and builds up your faith and helps you to see that God is moving in your life. Enjoy the message. Well, hey, let's open up with some prayers. We dive into the final week of our sermon series called The Wilderness. Lord, we just pray, come. Prepare our hearts, Lord, that we could receive the Word of God as we dive into something that is very personal about pain and about suffering. Lord, come. Give us ears to hear, eyes to see what you're doing, a nose to smell the roses sharing, to know the presence of God is here. Father, tongues that would edify, exhort, and lift up. Hands that would touch the way Jesus would. Hearts that would be in That would be it in synergy with the Father. Your will, your way, Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as I said, we've arrived finally at the last week of this series, Wilderness. I hope it's been a blessing to you. And so far, we've looked at some different things that we experience while we're in the wilderness. The first week, we learned how certain testing takes place when you're in the wilderness. We saw that in the life of Jesus when he was out in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights and how he was tested by the enemy of our soul. And in week two, we talked about the art of being patient when you're in the wilderness. I don't know about you, but it's like, I wanted to be over. I wanted to be over yesterday. I didn't even want it to start with. And yet there we realize that there's something important for us to understand. And we looked at a guy named David and how he had multiple opportunities to do something like take out Saul who was trying to murder him. And yet he was patient to wait for God to exalt him to the place of king and not take it by his own hand. And then we learned on the third week, we honed in on the importance of listening when we're in a season of being in the wilderness. And here we learn from Elijah and how he was so upset because here he is. He had had this incredible Mount Carmel experience and the 450 prophets had been been executed and he had prayed and again the rain had come and the famine was over. And now he found out that Jezebel was after him and he takes off and out of fear, he runs and runs. The most incredibly powerful guy is afraid of Jezebel. And there he began to hear the voice of God when he's in a cave. He didn't hear it in the earthquake. He didn't hear it in the fire. He didn't hear it in the great wind. He didn't hear it anywhere but in a whisper. Well, today, we're going to look closely at pain and suffering when it just seems to always go with being in the wilderness. It doesn't have to be always on your body. It could be even, even worse. It could plague our mind. Maybe you can recall a time as a child or even as a young person when you weren't even misbehaving, you weren't doing anything wrong. And, and by no fault of your own, you got hurt. You got injured. I mean, it was beyond pain. It wasn't just an owie. I remember uh, I, was, I was probably just a, a tweenie-ager, you know, not quite a teenager, not a kid anymore. And my uncle decided to take us to go snow skiing. we went up to Big Bear. That's in Southern California, San Bernardino Mountains. And... Uh, I couldn't wait. Cause I always wanted to go snow skiing, and I saw it on TV. And so, oh my gosh, um, this guy came in front of me. The other guy came in front of me, and I'm telling you, I feel like I'm being torpedoed from all directions because I can't even—I couldn't even handle the bunny run, right? So now they got me up on this real hill. Long story short, I—I I found a way with these long skis to go like this. It was horrible. I didn't know parts of your body could hurt as bad as that. So I didn't do anything wrong. Wrong place, wrong time, lack of knowledge, whatever you want to call it. But boy, do I remember that. Maybe you have an incident. Maybe you remember something that happened to you. You see, pain is something the Bible speaks about as a present thing in our lives here on earth. But the good news is that the Bible also speaks and makes it clear that pain is not eternal. It will not be in heaven. Let's look at this in Revelation chapter 21, verse 4. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. But while we're on this earth, this world, even if we're doing the right things, we may still experience pain, sickness, disease, betrayal. And that's where we pick up the story of Joseph in Genesis chapter 37. He's not doing anything wrong. And everybody turns against him. Here we we pick up, and, and Joseph has just told his family about two dreams. Do you know there are certain things that God gives you you're not to tell other people? Just sit on it. But Joseph, in his excitement and his big mouth, goes and tells everybody, hey, there's this story and there's that story and then my dreams, and you know what happens? You guys all bow down to me. You're the kid with the coat of many colors. You're the spoiled brat. And now you're telling us you're, we're all going to bow down to you? I can't wait to slap you. Come here, Joseph. You wonder why your brother's upset with you. You're the definition of dumb. But he's innocent. It's just in his purity, he's not street smart yet. So let's look at Genesis. Start at verse 12. Soon after this, Joseph's brothers went to pasture their father's flocks at Shechem. When they had been gone for some time, Jacob said to Joseph, Your brothers are pasturing the sheep at Shechem. Get ready and I will send you to them. I'm ready to go, Joseph replied. Go and see how your brothers and the flocks are getting along. And Jacob said, then come back and bring me a report. So Jacob sent him on his way, and Joseph traveled to Shechem from their home in the valley of Hebron. When he arrived there, a man from the area noticed him wandering around the countryside. What are you looking for? He asked. I'm looking for my brothers, Joseph replied. Do you know where they are pasturing their sheep? Yes, the man told him. They've moved on from here, But I heard them say, let's go on to Dothan. So Joseph followed his brothers to Dothan and found them there. When Joseph's brothers saw him coming, they recognized him in the distance. As he approached, they made plans to kill him. Wow. Here comes the dreamer, they said. Come on, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns. That's just like a a big, huge reservoir, like a well. Then we'll see what becomes of his dreams. But when Reuben heard of their schemes, he came to Joseph's rescue. Let's not kill him, he said. Why should we shed any blood? Let's just throw him into this empty cistern here in the wilderness. Then he'll die without our laying a hand on him. Reuben was secretly planning to rescue Joseph and return him to his father. So when Joseph arrived, his brothers ripped off the beautiful robe he was wearing. Why do you think they ripped off the robe? Hmm? Then they grabbed him and threw him into the cistern. Now the cistern was empty. There wasn't water in it. Then just as they were sitting down to eat, they cooked up and saw a caravan of camels in the distant coming toward them. It was a group of Ishmaelite traders taking a load of gum, balm, and aromatic resin from Gilead down to Egypt. And Judah said to his brothers, what will we gain by killing our brother? We have to cover up the crime. Instead of hurting him, let's sell him. Doesn't this sound like a wonderful family reunion? I mean, think about this. Your brothers can recognize you from a long distance away. And the first thing they say is, hey, how can we kill this guy? Then they beat him up. There's a welcome hug. And then they rip off his beautiful coat that daddy spoiled him with. Now they want to kill him. No, we can't kill him. Oh, let's, make, let's just throw him in the empty. Let him die. You know, starvation and all that. Oh, no, it's not, let's not have blood on our hands. Now let's sell him as a slave. Wow. When Judah said to his brothers, what will we gain by killing our brother? We have to cover up the crime. Instead of hurting him, let's sell him to those Ishmaelite traders. After all, he is our brother and our own flesh and blood. And his brothers agreed. What a sequence of events. Joseph gets sold into slavery. And in Egypt, so clearly his his life is just totally taking a completely different turn. There's a lot of different things we could pull out of this story of of Joseph related to suffering and to pain. But here's the first thing I think comes directly from the passage we just read. That being, obviously, There are times when our pain is caused by someone else to us. We clearly see Joseph's brothers. They're scheming. And with one another, they're trying to come up with a way to just get rid of Joseph. They don't want him in their lives no more. They decided, let's just sell him like a commodity. The point is, Joseph experienced this initial pain without having any control over what was being done to him. There's nothing he could do to stop it. There was nothing he could do. Maybe someone here today is experiencing pain. Or maybe you've experienced pain in the not-too-distant Maybe it was brought upon you because of a decision somebody else made. Maybe you grew up in a home that there was a divorce. Maybe you were forced to get a divorce. Maybe there's been a betrayal. Maybe you were released from a job and you did nothing wrong. And to this day, you don't know why you weren't doing anything wrong. And it wasn't a layoff. Maybe you're facing a medical issue. Maybe you're facing a financial issue. And it has caused you great pain. And you feel that you have no real control over it. So then maybe you can relate to the story of Joseph. It's in the center of this pain, of this chaos, of this suffering, that this young man makes a decision. Can you imagine being handcuffed and roped up and you're in this long chain connected to other people behind you, in front of you? And you're having to walk all these miles? he had to say, am I going to be defined by my pain? Or will I choose to allow God to work in it and through it? It's the same question many of us have to answer. How will you choose to view your pain? How will you choose to experience the pain that's coming at you? As a victim or as a victor? You see, how we choose to see our suffering matters. What kind of lens are you looking at your suffering and your pain? When Joseph was on the way to Egypt, I believe the concept of this principle of trusting God in the middle, in the center of pain was key for Him. How many would have to say, this is probably one of the absolute hardest things to do? Oh, we can all speak Christianese. We can all quote a verse or two. Oh, praise Jesus, and get a big book under our arm. But when you're in the middle of it, and there is... Things coming at you from all directions and you didn't do anything wrong. Can you say I trust Him? I'm going to believe His Word. Not out here. Here where nobody can see. This is not easy. That's a fight. Joseph didn't know exactly what was going to be on the other side of being enslaved. He didn't know he was going to be the second most powerful individual in the world. He had no idea. But Joseph knew he served a God who had the power to make the most of his pain. Joseph knew that those dreams were from God. They weren't his imagination. I believe God gave him those dreams because he would have that to hold on to in the middle of his pain. In the middle of being captive, a slave. In the middle of being lied about that he took advantage of a woman that he didn't. I believe those dreams is what he held on to. Because he he knew that he knew that he knew. God gave him those dreams. A godly perspective looks at pain and says, though this pain or injustice is where I am forced to start, it is not where I'm going to finish. I believe Paul talks about this in, in Romans 5, verse 3. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. For we know that they will help us develop endurance. Paul is teaching us that even our pain can lead to something great. But it begins with how we choose to look at the pain. How are we going to face it? You know, there's two. Uh, they speak about two POWs, prisoners of war, Vietnam. They both were army. They both were at, became prisoners of war. They were both in the exact same camp for the exact same amount of time. They both were abused and mistreated. Everything was the same. And one of them, when he gets home, decides to use that experience as a story to help other people. He becomes very inspirational, talks about hope, and be able to share about what God did in the midst of all of that. The other one is still captive by it even though he's stateside. He can't stop drinking. He can't stop being bitter and angry and resentful. He's hateful to family members. Nobody wants to be around him. He doesn't take care of himself. What's the difference between the two? One believes that God helped him in it and the other one was so bitter because he couldn't see God in it. How you see the pain and the suffering, it matters. If not today, tomorrow, in the next year, in the next decade. If you choose to trust God in all of it, God will take your story of pain and turn it all around so that it too will become a story of hope and a story of inspiration. A story of restoration. You know, we've all gone through this crazy 18 months and if there's anything that this pastor sees, we need community. We need each other make sure you're reaching out to one another sunday's not enough i'm telling you it's not enough connect with one another go to legacy builders go to life journal go to men's prayer hook up with one another go get a cup of coffee get out of the house somebody should have said amen oh that was a good one right there You know, maybe today you're in a place where you believe that your view of yourself is not identical to how God views you. Every morning when you look in the mirror, you see someone that is broken and will never amount to anything significant. But I'm here. I'm here to let you know today that God sees you as much, so much more than how you see you. And it's because of the way God sees us that allows us to see our pain differently if we allow ourselves to be connected to how His eyes see things. This is what helped Joseph. When he had to run away from temptation, literally jumping out a window as she's ripping off his clothes, the man runs, runs away from temptation Naked! And he didn't do anything wrong. She turned that boy into an incredible story, didn't she? You know, of all these things that were going off, beaten by his brothers, thrown in a cistern, sold as a slave, lied about hurting this woman. You always hear this phrase over and over again throughout the Scriptures. But the Lord was with Joseph. But the Lord was with Joseph. Do you know that could be said about you? You've been ripped off by a business partner. You you were betrayed by somebody you cared and loved. You've got kids that aren't doing it right. I I don't care what, you just pick pick up the story in your pain. And you know what else is going to be in there? But the Lord is with you. He's with you. Believe me, if God was mad at us, (laughs) we would know. But God was with him, and he's with us. And because God was with Joseph in this wilderness, he won't waste that wilderness experience for him or me or you. God doesn't waste the wilderness experience. He's not sadistic. Let's just see somebody suffer for no reason. The story of Joseph goes on to tell us that Joseph saved his family and saved a nation from the famine. He interpreted the dream. Can you believe that? He comes from the prison and he comes out. He's not only to you know, the, the butler and the, and, and, the, and the baker, and he interprets their dreams, but he comes out and he interprets Pharaoh's dream. How do you go from the pit of despair in a dungeon to the second guy in charge? God. God. God decides it's time. No, no, no. God was in charge the whole time. The whole time. The wilderness, as well as the palace. Let's go, to, let's go to Genesis 50. Now, we got to the part now where it's Genesis 50. So, Jacob, who is the father of all 12 tribes, right? His 12 sons. Here he is, and now... Joseph has rescued dad and and all of the brothers. They all come to Egypt. (coughs) He sets them up in beautiful places to live. A beautiful economy to make. Everything's going great for them. But now dad dies. Now they're afraid. Now that dad is dead, who's there to stop Joseph from killing the 11 of us? And we deserve it. Or the 10 of them. Benjamin wasn't born yet. So... Look how Joseph looks at everything of his pain and everybody who betrayed him and everybody who did him wrong. This is a guy who could say, you're dead right now. And nobody's going to get in the way. Cut his head off right now. Why? He's the most powerful guy around. Nobody's going to stop him. So here we go, verse 15, chapter 50. But now that their father was dead, Joseph's brothers became fearful. Why? They know what they did. Now Joseph will show his anger and pay us back for all the wrong we did to him, they said. 16. So they sent this message to Joseph. They didn't even show up themselves, bunch of cowards. Before your father died, he instructed us. Now they concoct another lie. Let's lie to dad that Joseph's dead. Now we're going to do, hey, it didn't work back then, but we're going to try it again now? Okay, what part of stupid are you from? Before your father died, he instructed us to say to you, please forgive your brothers for the great wrong they did to you, for their sin is treating you so cruelly. So we, the servants of, of the God of your father, beg you to forgive our sin. When Joseph received the message, he broke down and wept. (sighs) Then his brothers came and threw themselves down before Joseph. Look, we are your slaves. You mean the ones who sold me so I could be a slave? Now you're coming and you're laying flat on the ground and you're telling everybody around here that I am now, that you guys are now my slaves? Wow. 19. But Joseph replied, Don't be afraid of me. Am I God? That I can punish you? Yeah, in this moment he could. You intended to harm me. Look at that. He's looking in the eye of his brothers, these ten men. And he's telling them exactly what happened. You intended to harm me. But God intended it all. Whoa! But God intended it all. Who was behind it all? Being beat up, being thrown in the cistern, being a slave, being lied to and thrown into prison? Interpreting dreams? Saving and and collecting all the food and the grain because of all the famine that was to come? Who was in charge of all that? But God. But God. But God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people, not just you and your families. I added that part. Do you see this? because he started probably on that long journey of being a slave, walking through the desert, he made that decision because he had those dreams, because he knew God was with him, that God was doing something even though he couldn't understand it. And I don't know what you're facing in your family. And I don't know what you're facing in your job. And I don't know what you're facing in your marriage. And I don't know what you're facing as a citizen in this this incredible country if you're getting lost in bitterness and anger and rage because of the pain, I encourage you, what's the dream God put in your heart? He didn't change His mind. I know the journey's strange. It's full of pain and sorrow sometimes and even bitterness. Hold on. Hold on. Don't look at it the way those 10 brothers did. Look at it the way Joseph did. You intended this to harm me, Satan. But God, but God, but God will use your story to save many lives. Do you believe this for your own life? Can the Creator of the entire universe use your worst pain and suffering for something greater? Romans 8.28 And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. Let's read it again, but let's read it all together. And ask yourself, do you believe this? ready. Begin and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who love all the world. Joseph got this, and he's from the Old Testament. <laughs> you may be familiar with the story of Corey Tinbone and her sister Betsy. Well they were arrested and they had to go to a German concentration camp in the midst of World War II. They were assigned the most absolutely filthy, filthiest barracks there, there was on, on the camp, the concentration camp. Matter of fact, it was infested with fleas. So they get in and they're trying to settle in in this barracks and... For whatever reason, Betsy kind of takes charge and says, We need to give thanks. This doesn't go over well with, with Corey Tin Boone. They, they were assigned the most filthiest place, getting bit by fleas. You see, we must not let our circumstances dictate our ability to have a thankful heart. That's from Betsy. We got to be thankful no matter what. Not because of the thing, but in spite of the thing. Whether it's good or bad, they began to be thankful to God in the middle of this painful situation. Until, until they got to the, the fleas. Corey just couldn't do it. She was real, I am not giving God thanks for the fleas. She's just not doing it. And then her sister says, Remember what we read earlier this morning? And they read this out of 1 Thessalonians 5:14, 18. And we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive, encourage and dishearten. Help the weak, be patient with everyone. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strives to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. Rejoice always. Pray continually. 18. Give thanks. In all circumstances. Not for all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. It ends with, Give thanks. In all circumstances. So finally, Corey reluctantly agreed. But here's the part that most people don't know. Weeks pass by... And Betsy eventually found out that the German guards would no longer enter into the barracks where they were at because it was so filthy and they didn't want to get fleas themselves. That gave them freedom to go and share the Gospel with anybody and everybody else in the barracks. They could share Jesus. They could evangelize. They could proselytize because those were Jews. And they could bring them to Christ with no reservation that a German was going to bother to come in. Thank God for the fleas. Obviously, I don't know exactly what kind of pain you have experienced in the past or even right now. I don't know what kind of wilderness experience you've been in. But here's what I do know. God is working for good in your life. Are you willing to believe that today? Are you willing to view your pain through the lens of God's redemption and restoration? What is God trying to teach you in the middle of your suffering? Teach me. In Joseph's case, the initial pain he experienced brought him to a place where God was able to bless thousands, to bless A nation. What's God trying to make out of your current season? Even if you can't see it, it's there. I don't think Joseph had a clue what he was going to be used for. The wilderness of suffering may just be what is needed to find freedom and to find hope who would have thought that the wilderness of fleas was actually a blessing in disguise will you pray with me father help us today for those of us who are struggling with pain with such deep wounds emotionally, physically. And God, it's not easy to look at this the way Joseph did. But we know we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Oh, Holy Spirit, will you help us to be able to look at this wilderness experience in a different way? That even though we know we might be getting tested, even though we know we need to be patient, even though we know we need to be able to listen That in all this, Lord, there's a story brewing that you'll be able to use for your kingdom, for the loss, and even for us. Maybe you're here and you're saying, Pastor, I need to see my pain differently. I need to trust Him completely even when i don't understand this if that's you i just want to pray with you i just want you to look up at me i want you to raise your hand and i i want to be able to pray with you and for you praise god yes 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 may this be a day that you are set free on independence day father i pray for each and every person lord who they reached out and they're saying help me god set me free because this pain controls my energy it controls that which i meditate on i should be focusing on the word and i'm not god set them free Help them to see that what the enemy has designed to harm them, that Lord, you will use to set many people free. God, use them. God, use their story. But God, first heal them. Oh, God, first heal them. Heal them in their body, God, heal them in their soul. God, heal them in their spirit. Heal them in their marriage. Heal them in their families. Heal them in their place of occupation, vocation. God, heal them. God, give them favor. God, promote them. Oh, God, give them a voice they never knew they had. A voice that speaks for the kingdom of God. Oh, God, touch them. Lord, as we celebrate this 4th of July, We say thank you for this nation. We say thank you in the midst of that which seems completely pure chaos. But God, you can bring peace to chaos. And we trust you. Set us free, Lord. Forgive us as a nation, Lord, for our sins. Oh God, bless this nation again that we could be about our king and his kingdom. Thy will, thy way. In Jesus' holy name, amen. Amen. Well, we hope this message helps you to take your next step closer to Jesus. Here's a great question to ask yourself right now. How will I be different because of what I just heard today? Well, for more info about us, go to rrf.church or find us on Facebook. I'm Pastor Marvin, thanking you for taking the time to join us.